great job. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kent. Heard Kent hit it out of the park last week. Did a great job, and of course, he always does a great job when he's um, leading us in music. Appreciate him so much. Uh, we did have a great, um, we had a great trip. Uh, on behalf of um, Steve Tex and myself, thank you so much for praying for us. Uh, we aren't going to share today about the trip. We're planning that in a few weeks. We're going to have a special service, and we're going to talk about all we did in Nicaragua. Uh, it was hot, I promise you. I understand, understand y'all had some cooler weather. Uh, for us, it was uh, in the 90s all day long. And, and, uh, but we just had a wonderful time with those precious believers over there, pastors and, and the people of God. So, um, yeah, we're going to be partner with this um, Chosen Children's Ministry, and we're going to share with you more about it um, later on. But now I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, and I want us to read verses 14 through 17, verses 14 through 17, uh, just a few verses. You know, I love chapter 8 of Romans because it's just so powerful, it's so good, and it's got so much truth for us today. But before we read, I just want to just say, I, man, I missed everything back here, I I was just so excited. I got some pictures from Mike. He, he, he showed me some of the pictures um, of what they were doing, the, the, um, the digging and all like that. And we have just so much to be thankful for. You know, we were building churches over there, and now just think we're building a church here, and we're so thankful for that. And all those of you who contribute so much in prayer and giving, we appreciate that so much as well. Mike was telling me that... Um, all the permits are in. How about that? And that's just God working in a wonderful way, and we praise Him for that. Now, let's read God's Word. Stand with me as we read God's Word together. Beginning at verse 14, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14. Read along with me as I read aloud this portion from God's Word. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children than heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your amazing word, Lord. We just pray that you will just be our teacher the Holy Spirit of God to be our teacher as we seek to understand the truths that you want us to know. Lord, as we think about the blessings of sonship, Lord, help us to realize exactly who you are and who we are in Jesus Christ. For we pray in his wonderful name. Amen. <clears throat> I want you to notice with me how Paul begins verse 14. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You know, this is the first time in this epistle that Paul uses the phrase sons of God. Now, he's going to use it later on, but this is the very first time. Of course, it's a reference to Christians, those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sons of God, we need to understand that sons of God is a generic term, okay, referring to both men and women. <clears throat> All believers who trust Jesus Christ as Savior are sons of God regardless of your sex, whether you're male or female. So as Christians, we're all sons 
of God. Now, some might think that's kind of offensive to female believers. But you know, when you think about it, Christian women shouldn't be offended by being called sons of God any more than Christian men should be offended by, by being called members of the body or, or the bride of Christ. So as Christians, we're all sons of God and we're also the bride of Jesus Christ. However, unbelievers are never called sons of God. They're God's creation. They're God's offspring, but not sons of God. Only believers can be called sons of God. Now, what makes us sons of God? Only one thing. Only one thing. And that is having the Spirit of God. The moment we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, just imagine that, the Holy Spirit of God, the moment we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us, to indwell us, and we become His sons. What a blessing is that. You know, there's no greater comfort in all the world than knowing when the storms of life blow our way, when the trials come, and they will, when the disappointments come, and they will, that we are sons of the living God. Now that's security. We've already sung about it. I mean, we are secure in Jesus Christ. God is going to protect and defend His kids. He's going to do that. He's going to defend and protect His kids. Now, I want to read some uh, verses of an of a old hymn. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this hymn. It's called, More Secure is no one ever. But I want you to listen to these words because it ought to bless your heart as a believer. More secure is no one ever than the loved ones of the Savior. Not yon star on high abiding, nor the bird in home nest hiding. Neither life nor death can ever from the Lord his children sever. For his love and deep compassion comforts them in tribulation. What He takes or what He gives us shows the Father's love so precious. We may trust His purpose wholly, test His children's welfare solely. I mean, that's how secure we are as sons of God. Now, all through my ministry, especially when I had um, young children or teenagers, you know how teenagers, you know, tend to get in trouble. But I've said all during my ministry, you know, Attack me if you will, criticize me if you will, but leave my kids alone. You know, they're just off limits. Don't mess with my kids. And you know, that's the way God thinks of us. I mean, we are sons of God, and you don't want to mess with God's kids. We have that special relationship with Him. Now, what are some of the blessings of sonship? What are some of the blessings the Spirit bestows on us as sons of God. We're going to see several things this morning. And I hope it blesses your heart. It has blessed my heart as I've studied this. First, the Spirit leads us. And we see that in verse 14 again. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now just look at that little three-letter word, led. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. See, when the Spirit comes to indwell us at salvation, He comes to lead us and He comes to guide us. And this is one of the most wonderful uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit. Now, God has always led His people, but not all in the same way. 
I think about the children of Israel when they left Egypt and they were wandering around in the, in the, in the wilderness headed for the promised land. How did they know where to go? What did they know? How did they know what to do? Well, God led them. But how? He gave them a pillar of cloud in the daytime, and he gave them a pillar of fire at night. This pillar was the Shekinah glory. It was the visible glory of God, the visible presence of God. And when the pillar remained still, the people knew to stay put. But when the pillar moved, the people knew it was time to, um, to move on, to strike tent and move on. Now, have you ever noticed um, when you get up in the morning, there's no pillar of cloud outside your house? I mean, it's just not there. Have you noticed when you came in in the, in the evening, at nighttime, there's, there's no pillar of fire, you know, outside your house? Why? Because God doesn't lead us as Christians that way anymore. Well, how does God lead us? Today we're led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit leads us, gives us this guidance and direction that we need in life. Now, maybe you're thinking, oh, if I could only see that visible manifestation of God like Israel saw, man, life would be wonderful. It would be great. You know, for some strange reason, you know, we think sometimes we would be better off if we had what Israel had. Really? What we have, my dear friends, is far greater than any pillar of cloud or pillar of fire. We have the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us, leading us and guiding us as we walk through this life. We aren't lacking anything. We aren't worse off than Israel. We are infinitely better off. We're sons of God, and we're led by the Spirit of God. Now, if that's true, and it is, what are some of the evidences? What are some of the, the signs that we're being led by the Spirit of God. I want to just share a few things from our text. First of all, if we're being led by the Spirit, the Spirit will teach us. Will teach us. The Spirit teaches the Word of God. In fact, He's called the teacher. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you, or another word for that, He will teach you in all the truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Well, see, the Spirit of God opens our minds so that we can understand the Word of God. You know, the truth is, we can't even understand this book without the Spirit's enablement, without the Spirit's help, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We cannot even understand the Bible. He is the Spirit of truth. He's the one who, who makes the Word of God alive to us, makes it living and, and real. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had it many times. You know, just reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, I mean, seemingly out of nowhere, I mean, some wonderful truth just jumps out, and a truth that you've never seen before. You know, one of those aha moments. You know, the light comes on in your mind, 
And the passage just takes on new, fresh meaning. And your heart is about to beat out of your chest. That is the Spirit of God leading us. The Spirit of God leading us. Guiding us into His truth. Revealing what He wants us to know. Opening up the treasure house of the Word of God to our hearts and our minds. And you know, I can't tell you how many times that I've been discouraged. Yes, your pastor can get discouraged just like you can. And I cannot tell you how many times um, when I'm a little down and, you know, I just pick up this book and I start reading it. And, and the Spirit of God speaks to my heart and encourages me through His Word. That is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Also, if you're led by the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you to prayer. Have you ever felt like uh, you just had to go to God in prayer? That there was nowhere else in the world to go? You had to just spend time with God alone, just get before Him in prayer, just pour out your heart before Him. That is the Spirit of God leading you. Now see, the, the Spirit of God will lead us to prayer. The Spirit desires for us, delights for us to spend time with the Father. But not only does the Spirit lead us to prayer, He prays for us. And, you know, we, Paul's going to get into that a little bit later about the Spirit praying for us and, and interceding for us. I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had it many times. I, I'm so burdened, you know, I, I don't even have the words to say. I don't even know what to say. All I do is kind of just groan. Well, times like that, it, the Spirit of God is praying for us. It's interceding for us. That's what Paul says in Romans 8, 26, and we'll see that a little bit later on. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. So what a blessing it is to be led by the Spirit. Also, if you're led by the Spirit, He will give you a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And see, the Spirit creates this special bond between believers. A bond that, that is even stronger than between natural brothers and sisters in Christ, especially if they don't know the Lord. And when we were in Nicaragua, uh, Tex, Steve and I, I mean, we just saw that. We met believers that we had never seen before, of different cultures, different languages, different races, but there was an incredible bond, a bond of love that was there that is just beyond our understanding. Uh, who put that bond there? The Spirit of God put that bond there. I want to just ask you a couple of questions. Do you long to be with other Christians? Do you long to be here on Sunday with your brothers and sisters in Christ? If so, you're being led by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God will put His love in your heart for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit of God who has been given to us. So the Spirit leads. Now there's something we need to understand. There's one thing we need to be really clear about. The Spirit will never lead us contrary to the Word of God. He will never do that. He will only lead us in harmony with the Word of God. He will never lead you to do something sinful. 
He will never lead you to do something ungodly. He will never lead you to do anything unbiblical. He will never lead you to do anything dishonest or unlawful. You know, I hear people say from time to time, God led me to divorce my wife because we're just incompatible and I fell in love with a, another woman. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You know, I've heard people say it's okay for us to live together and not be married because if you love one another like we love one another, God must be in it. No, he's not in it. I've heard people say it's okay for two men or two women to get married. If there's love and there's commitment, it's okay with God. No, it's not. God never leads contrary to his word. Why? He's the spirit of truth. He leads, leads us into his truth. But there's a second. There's a second thing I want us to see about the spirit. Another blessing. And that is the spirit adopts us. And that's what Paul gets into in verse 15. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, we're born into God's family. We, we already sung about it. We're born into God's family by the Spirit the moment we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be born again. That's what the new birth is all about. But at that very same time, the Spirit adopts us as His sons. Now, the word adoption here, when it's used in the biblical way, it means to be given all the rights and privileges of sonship. Now, in ancient Rome, when a child was born into a family, that child had absolutely no rights and privileges whatsoever. I mean, he had no more rights than a slave in the household had. The child had to wait till he was around 18 years old. And when the father, and when he turned 18, the father would have a ceremony, a ceremony, declaring that that son was an adult son with all the rights and privileges of sonship. Now, that's not the way God does it in his family. <laughs> as soon as we're born into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, at that very moment, we're adopted as his sons with all the rights and privileges of sonship. And what an awesome privilege that is. You know, I must admit, there have been times in my life when I have wished that my name was Norman Rockefeller <laughs> or Norman Ford or Norman Gates. You know, at, at certain times in my life, I thought it would just be cool if I was a son of one of these billionaires. But why should any child of God lower himself to such a level? We're sons of God. We've been adopted into the family of God. We aren't sons of, of some measly billionaire. We're sons of the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. For some time I've been interested in tracing my family tree or family uh, ancestry. And, you know, I, to my disappointment, I found out my family didn't come on the Mayflower. You know, it didn't happen. You know, I can't trace my um, lineage to George Washington or some other famous American. 
But my family is much greater than that. I belong to the family of God, and so do you if you know Christ. Well, see, my family goes back before the Garden of Eden. My family goes back before the creation of this world. My family goes back to eternity past when God chose me in love to be his son before the beginning of time. And I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. You know, I love that song that we sang. It's so true. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, the greatest family in the universe. God is my father. I am his son. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's true of each and every one of us if we know Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, once Jesus told a parable about a man who had two sons. You're familiar with it, the prodigal son. The younger son came to his father one day and he says, Give me my inheritance. And the father gave it to him. And the, father and the son took his inheritance and went off into a big city and wasted it on riotous living. Before long, a terrible famine came in the land and he just lost everything. And in great need, he found a job in the countryside feeding pigs. And finally, he got so hungry that he longed to eat the slop the pigs were eating. And the Bible says that there in the pig pen, he came to himself. And this is what he said. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. He said, I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Well, the son arose to go to his father. And when he was a long distance off, the father saw him coming down the lane. And the old man gathered up his garments and began to run down the lane to meet his son. And when they met, the father fell on his son's neck and kissed him. And the son began to give his little speech that he had prepared. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And he intended to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father just stopped him right there and said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. I mean, what a, what a picture of what God through the Holy Spirit has done for us. When we were unworthy sinners, God accepted us into his family. But that's not all. He brought out the royal robe and put it on our shoulders. He put the ring of adoption on our finger and he made us his sons. And now each of us, we can cry out to him, Abba Father, Abba Father. That is the most intimate name for the Father. It means Daddy. It means Papa. Just think about it just for a moment. We can approach the very Lord of the universe, the King of the universe, as our Papa. That's the relationship we have with God because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But let's move on. The Spirit assures us. He gives us that assurance. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Once we put our trust in Jesus, the Spirit assures us, bears witness that we belong to God. Now, now this is not some emotion. It's not some feeling. It's just that deep down conviction that we are part of God's family, that we belong to Him. It's, it's not some weird feeling. No, it's not some emotion. It's just that conviction that I'm a child of God. I belong to Him. I was saved when I was nine years old at a revival meeting. I remember responding to the invitation. I came forward. I knelt at the altar. And as best as I understood, I put my trust in Christ and made a public profession of my faith in Him. I really believed that I was saved that night. After that night, my life began to change. I had a desire that I wanted to live for Christ. In my younger years, if you'd have asked me, Norman, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said, I want to be a preacher. But my home church wasn't a Bible teaching church. It really wasn't. I was never really taught the doctrines of the Word of God. I was, I was never discipled by anyone. So during my teenage years, I began to drift away from the Lord. Uh, there was a relationship with God I couldn't deny. I, I knew deep down in my heart that, that even though I was not living for the Lord, that I belonged to Him, that I was His child. In fact, I remember watching Billy Graham preach on TV. And I remember being so convicted of my sin and hearing the, the voice of God through His Holy Spirit calling me back into fellowship. This was the witness of the Spirit assuring me that in spite of my backsliding, I belonged to God. And then when I was around 19 years old, God brought a series of events into my life that led to my total surrender to Jesus Christ for His service. And see, if you're a child of God, there will be that witness of the Spirit that you cannot get away from. That you are a child of God. And then finally, the Spirit blesses us. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Oh, how our heavenly Papa has blessed us. He's made us heirs, heirs of God. But that's not all. He says, join heirs with Christ. You know, that simply means, I mean, I don't understand, I don't understand everything that means, but it means that we have an incredible future awaiting us as children of God. In ancient times, the heir of the family got the lion's share of the wealth, of the father's wealth. As God's children, we are heirs of God. In other words, what is in store for us as believers is so grand and glorious, it's beyond our finite minds to grasp. We cannot possibly understand all that awaits us as believers in Jesus Christ. Join heirs with Christ. That means all that Christ possesses, we now possess 
because of our relationship with him. Does that mean we won't suffer? Does that mean we won't have troubles? Does that mean we won't have trials? Does that mean we won't have hardships? Of course we will. As God's people, we suffer with Christ and his sufferings, the Bible says. But, you know, the real question is, is our future inheritance worth the suffering and trouble of living as a child of God in this life? And Paul, he answers that question with an emphatic Yes, and we'll see more of that next Sunday because that's what he's going to talk about, the wonderful future that we have in Jesus Christ. Once the great Donald Gray Barnhouse was preaching on the blessings that we have as sons of God, and there was a little 12-year-old boy in the balcony, and, and he was on the edge of his seat, listening to every word the great doctor was preaching. After the sermon, Dr. Barnhouse, he walked to the front to greet the people. And the little guy, he walked up to the pastor and he said, Good sermon, Doc. We sure are sitting pretty, aren't we? <laughs> and folks, that is so true. We are blessed to be in the family of God. We are blessed to be sons of God. We are sitting pretty. My friend, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, all that we have said here today is just not true for you. But if you've trusted Christ, you are blessed beyond description. Yes, there will be troubles. Yes, there will be trials. Yes, there will be hardships. But the blessings far outweigh them all. After all, who are we? We're sons of God. We're sons of the King. The Spirit of God lives in us. Imagine that. He indwells us Amen. to lead us. He's adopted us as His sons. He assures us that we're His children. And He blesses us and will bless us with a glorious future beyond our wildest dreams. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the blessing of sonship. We thank you, Lord, that we can call on you today, Abba, Father, Papa, because of our relationship with Jesus. Lord, as we have seen these blessings of sonship, Lord, as we have seen a glimpse of who we are in Christ. Lord, help us to live like it. Lord, help us to live like sons of the King. Sons of God. And Lord, ask, Lord help us to take the message of the gospel out from this place and share it wherever we have an opportunity. Lord, I pray for anyone in here today that cannot say that. Cannot say, I, I belong to God. I'm, I'm, I'm his child. I'm his son. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would open their hearts to the gospel that they might trust him and him alone.
Lord, your word says that there is there's only one way. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Your word tells us that there's only one name by which we can be saved. And that name is Jesus. Lord, I pray if there are any here today that have never trusted him. Heavenly Father, I pray that they would trust him today. And dear Lord, as your, as your sons, Lord, help us to leave this place acting like it living like sons of the King. And we pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus and for His sake. Amen. Amen.